if 14-year-old Hugo was talking to 40-year-old Hugo about who the best James Bond is, I am almost certain that they would not see eye to eye. That split uh, in my brain about the two, my two favorite James Bond car- uh, actors uh, is indicative of what ultimately I think my personality actually is. And I'll try to explain that as best as I can. 14-year-old Hugo would tell you that Sean Connery is and always will be the best James Bond. No doubt about it. He, uh, The way that uh, Sean played the character, the way the character was portrayed uh, back then, um, it, it, it's one of the um, uh, building blocks of what I thought manhood was. Um, being a little brown kid in East L.A., watching Sean roam around the world, uh, fighting spies and, and, and betting women left and right. Um, that was the ultimate. That was the ultimate. And, and also, it was something that my dad and I shared in common. My dad was this very macho, uh, you know, uh, somebody that who was proud of the gun that he carried, who was proud of the belts that he wore, that he understood style, even though now it's dated uh, when I look at pictures, but for the time, for the, you know, from when he was alive, he was a meticulously well-dressed man. Uh, He was also a police police detective back in Mexico, and so he would wear the part, and he was this thick, brawny, strong guy, and sorry guys, but if you're going to listen to me, you're going to hear about my dad over and over again, because he was an impactful He's an impactful uh, dude. I mean, uh, for all of his flaws, he certainly left his mark on who I've become as a man. So just get used to it. But so, yeah, my dad was this uh, police detective who went who, who didn't mind getting into fistica, fisticuffs with people if, if they were crossing, uh, crossing him the wrong way. He was the first man who was not himself afraid of the police. I remember one time we were going to pick up my mom from Bob's Donuts uh, in on the west side of L.A. It's this really famous uh, donut shop that has been around for a long time. It's right in the center of the farmer's market, right next to the CVS studios. Uh, she got a part-time job there, and we would have to pick her up, and we'd have to make a long drive from East L.A. all the way up to... Uh, Fairfax, where I, where the donut shop is, and we would have to wait. And it wasn't such a bad thing, in as much as we got free donuts pretty much every single time that she was on shift. So, so for a bunch of fourteen, you know, for me maybe being about thirteen, fourteen years old, and my little sisters being little kids, you know, having uh, sugar cookies every other afternoon was was kind of a treat, and so we loved it. Too much, though. Uh, we got so many donuts so often that eventually I would just get sick of them. And to this day, I really just don't eat them because I think I ate so many as a teenager that now as an adult, I just keep the things away from me. I just can't do it. But I digress. So we were waiting for my mom uh, to get off her shift. And my dad, for whatever reason, decided that you know he would give us latitude and have us actually play at a park 
near uh, where she worked. And um, so there we are. My sisters and I were running around, you know, just being silly and doing cartwheels and, and whatnot. And a bunch of teenagers, um, you know, some probably 14, 15, oh, no, sorry, 16, 17, 18-year-old white, white boys were, were playing near the park. And, and, and they spotted my sisters and I. And all of a sudden, they started to throw their frisbee, which they were throwing to each other, closer and closer to us which meant that we kept on move, having to move further and further away from my dad, who was reading a book or something, um, just to try to get away from them. But we would move, and guess what? The frisbee would come over. So we would move, and then the frisbee would again come over to the point where we were starting to run out of room, or, and my dad noticed that we were just we were moving away. So he got up uh, and with his very heavy accent, asked what was going on, and I'm sure that these boys said something smart to my dad or, or he felt that the tone wasn't right. So in a flash, uh, he's no, he wasn't a tall dude. He was about my height, so he's probably about 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, but he whipped around, grabbed the Frisbee and said, you're done. You're not getting this. Fuck off. And, uh, and these boys, again, 16, 17-year-old, old, they, 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 they got so pissed, they started threatening to call the police. And my dad, with righteous indignation, said, call them. Call them. Let's see what they have to say. And I remember coming to him, realizing that there was an issue and and the fact that these guys were threatened to call the cops. And I kept on talking to my dad, come on, dad, just let it go. Just let it go in Spanish. Like, we don't need this. This is not a fight that we need to have. Uh, Why are you going to call the cops? You're going to get arrested. My assumption, my assumption was that nobody was going to take this that nobody was going to take his side he was just some poor mexican dude harassing teenagers and that if the police came anywhere near him that he was the one for sure to go to jail now you would think well why would you think that well that's because i've seen my dad uh doing absolutely no wrong and being pulled over and being harassed i mean this was you know the LAPD or police departments in uh, in LA County in the 1990s. So if you were brown, you had some kind of bad interaction with the poli- with, with the police departments. And, and and I'll say this, you know, maybe you can say, well, who knows? Maybe you don't know what, everything that your dad was up to. So how would you assume that he was always a nice guy? Um, maybe he wasn't, but I know that I've had bad interactions with with LAPD. And one day I'll tell you those stories. But in, at least from what I have seen, the, the, the limited history that I have of police interactions were that the brown people didn't get the benefit of the doubt. And here he's going up against three, uh, you know, cute looking teenage kids who are going to claim that this brown guy is taking their frisbee away and that was not going to end up well for my dad. And so, I, yeah, I was scared for him. I was scared for him and I just wanted to be over and I wanted him to give it back, but he would not bend because he felt that he was in the right. And though I came to disagree with him over a number of things, looking back at that situation, looking back at his how stoic he was through the whole thing, which is was like, a, we're talking about a four-minute interaction at most, all right? It, I know he placed in me that 
fuck them mentality. You know, I, 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 will, I do respect the police. I think that they are a valued member of our society. But they're not sacrosanct to being questioned. I'm sorry. And I, and, and I guess part of the reason why I'm saying this is because I had an interaction on the Twitter with some uh, police guy. And um, no, I feel that as a citizen of a country who pays for services, we have a right to say, hey, we don't like the way that you're doing your job. You don't have, you know, yes, you yourself have rights, but you don't get to trespass on those others. And no, you're not omnipotent. Police officers make mistakes. And if they were... And if if policing or police departments were more departments were more open to saying, "Hey, we made mistakes, but we will make a change," I think that would go a long way. But one of the things that I have noticed, especially with some of the accounts that I inter interact on on the Twitter, is that they get entrenched in being right or being condescending or or, or trying not to understand any points of views. And and also, you can't question me because I have a badge, and that means that I. I'm without fault. Well, I'm sorry. No, you're not. No, you're not. And we, the citizenry, have the right to ask questions. And you may not like the questions that you're being asked, but as somebody who provides a service uh, to, to the community and are paid by the community, you have to answer questions when, when there's reason to believe that something wrong has happened. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't, I, 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 there's a lot of the, I put, I put a lot of people on a pedestal. I certainly do have a great deal of respect for police, but that doesn't mean that I don't, I, I don't get to ask questions and I don't have to agree with your narrative of the story. Um, and, and, and that I realized came from that specific day. My dad was not afraid of the police. And I often wonder, is it because he was a policeman himself and, or he had been a policeman himself and he understood that there's fallibility in the profession, that people make mistakes, uh, and that it, it, it's, there's no omnipotence there. So anyways, but that's, it was the first time, I guess, truly, when I saw my dad as a Sean Connery type of persona, just larger than life, somebody who wasn't afraid to that higher authority. And that was kind, of, and that was that's kind of how Sean was when as he portrayed Bond, um, just that that swagger and that devil may care attitude of I have a job to do and I'm gonna do it no matter what, and uh, and if I need to get into fisticuffs I'll do so. Uh, if I need to say a smart thing, if I need to say something witty, whatever whatever it takes, I am going to do. Uh, and not only and, and over and on top of that, I'm gonna look fucking amazing doing it. Um, I watched, I think my first James Bond movie on uh, Channel Seven, uh, and of course it was all chopped up because of commercials and all that. So I probably didn't see the whole movie. I, I actually have come to realize that there's a lot of movies from the '80s that I saw. Uh, which I only you know missed maybe even as much as twenty minutes of them because they were all chopped up to, in order to be able to fit within the slot that KTLA five um, had for them. Um, but even that, I got the gist. James Bond was good-looking dude who went around the world saving us from you know 
impending crisis after crisis. And he, the, the ladies just came to him. He sometimes even had to fight him off with a stick because the ladies just loved him. And for an impressionable 14 year old or whatever, or teenage boy with like all these hormones going, just the, the who, who wasn't cool at all and who nobody was coming to, uh, towards him and saying, hey, I, I think you're a cutie pie, you know, let's, let's smooch. For just being a kid who eventually wants to be, you know, cock of the walk, um, he was a hero. He was somebody that, um, he, he was who I wanted to be. It was him, uh, or it was uh, Han Solo, or it was Indiana Jones. Like, that's the personality. That's who I, I, that's who I strive to. That, and, and, and it's funny, because now that I go back and look at it, yeah, the, 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 the personality is awfully masochistic and, uh, and not very nice to, to women and um, kind of way too hands-on for my taste. Like, I, if, if I were to act now the way that he did back in the day in the movies, like, I'd get run out of town quick. But I, I will say this, that part of what I think was cool about him is the fact that, yeah, he, he just kind of took things. So that's, that was Sean. And, and I would stay up until, you know, whenever they had any of the movies and I would watch them and I would enjoy it and I would take it in. And the next day I would walk tall just like James Bond would do. And I would pretend that I had my Walter PPK on the side and I would pretend if I had long sleeve shirts to be tugging at where the cufflinks would be. And I tried to slick my hair back for a while, just the way that he had it. Um, I didn't know other than prom when I would wear a tuxedo, but I promised myself that I would own one at least once in my life, which by the way, has never happened. Uh, because I actually have fi find that tuxedos are awfully uncomfortable. But one day, I mean, I've worn them a couple of times in my life and I think I look pretty darn good, and I, when I was walking, that including my, my, my wedding day, I, I know that I was channeling my inner Sean Connery. So that's, so 14-year-old Hugo would tell you, that's the man, right? Uh, he would never make an argument for Roger Moore. Roger Moore was way too jokey for me. He was also way too old. I mean, yeah, I followed the adventures, and they were cool, uh, and my wife and I disagree intensely on that. He thinks Roger Moore is better than Sean. No, she's she's not right. Talk about not being omnipotent. My wife is not on in, at least on that question. There's no fucking way that Roger Moore is better than Sean, right? He was just like this. Uh, what's the word I'm looking? For? You know, he was the Adam West. In no shade on Adam West. In no shame on Roger Moore. But he was just this jokey, kind of cartoonish version of. The serious uh, persona that Sean gave off, right? Uh, I couldn't take him seriously, uh, and so the movies, his movies, would come on, and I would watch them. And at that point, I was realizing that if you wanted to see maybe half a boob on TV, that the James Bond movie was likely to uh, to have it. Or, uh, and you know, there were girls in bikinis, so there were going to be booties on the screen, and that was my only access to seeing that kind of stuff. So, heck yeah, stay up for that. But oh, but there was really, as much as I've always enjoyed the TNA that, that that that's involved in the James Bond movie, I wasn't watching it for that. Truly, it, yes, it was a cherry on top, but I was there for the persona, and Roger Moore just didn't have it. 
at least not for me. Uh, I didn't want to be clownish. I didn't want to be, and, and it's funny because I think my personality now that I think about it is more like maybe a Roger Moore, but I don't know. I wanted to be Sean at 14. Um, I watched Pierce Brosnan. I liked him. I thought he was, I think he was all right in the role. Uh, I think he was a good palate cleanser to who I eventually, who who eventually, eventually became, to took over the role. Um, Daniel Craig. Uh, so he kind of brought back, he was a good mix between Roger and Sean, I guess because Pierce could actually act. Uh, and he was trying to bring some weight and some gravitas back to the uh, the character. But at the same time, there was just a lot of silliness going through. I mean, writing a fucking tsunami. Uh, come on. Come on. You know, oh, way too over the top. Um, but, you know, and, and at that point I kind of discovered that James Bond had a type and it was a very wafy type of, uh, woman, you know, very skinny, very Kate Mossy type of, uh, uh, woman, which is just at that, you know, as I started to get older and I started to look at women a different way, that's just not what I'm into. You know, I like, uh, you know, I like. Full figured, if that's even if that's even a turn. I mean, I enjoy meat on bones. I, I enjoy women with curves. I enjoy hips, and I, you know, voluptuous. Not really, but I mean, I'm not gonna not look at it. But it's that's not my forte. But it's I guess it's the lower half that I you know, go bananas over, and a lot of the Bond uh, women just they didn't have that. Even Holly Berry, who he, I don't know, there was just something there that just was not attractive and, and, and as beautiful as the women that were on the, during the, uh, Sean, no, no, I'm sorry, who I'm talking about, Pierce Brosnan's day, no, <laughs> gosh, what is his name, Pierce Brosnan's days, uh, just, they didn't, they didn't do that for me, so really, again, it was about the character, and yeah, Pierce was a bit more sensitive, was a little bit more, it was, I guess, more real, than the hyper-masculine Sean Connery. And as I was also developing and getting a little bit older and coming to understand things about the dynamic between men and women, and also at that point, actually, the first one of the first movies that my wife and I ever saw as when we were dating was um, uh, one of Pierce Brosnan's movies, I think Goldeneye. Uh, Actually, it might have been around my birthday because that's when I got my tattoo, which was a gift. Uh, from her to me, and, and then right after we got the tattoo out in Pasadena, we drove over to Arcadia, and we went to go see Goldeneye, uh, and I remember trying to not pay attention to the fact that my arm was hurting, because I wanted to see what was going on on the screen, and so I, I enjoyed Pierce's years just fine, um, but I won't say that he was, that I was necessarily heartbroken when, when I heard that he wasn't going to do the role. Then comes Daniel Craig, Uh and honestly, I didn't really know who he was, um, but I know two things. First and foremost, the, 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 my, the only memory I really had of Daniel Craig was his ass, because he had been in that uh, Laura Croft movie with Angelina Jolie, and I know that my wife really enjoyed that scene when he's getting out of the shower, and he's going to greet her, and you have a whole backside uh, shot of... Uh, Daniel, and fucking A, I mean, the guy's built up, right, so 
yeah, I, I can understand why she was all about the booty. And, uh, but I think that's one of the things that I recollected. The other thing that I recollected about uh, Daniel Craig is that he is a blonde. And people were going apeshit about the fact that James Bond was going to be a blonde. And I think the internet was starting to become like a thing back then. And just the, 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 the message boards about you can't have a, a, a blonde James Bond. It's going up against the whole mythos of James Bond. What the fuck are you doing? Think, and I don't know. To me, it wasn't a big to-do. Um, you know, let's, let's give him a shot, right? And then Casino Royale hit. And fucking A. I mean, I, I actually enjoy Skyfall a lot more. Uh, Skyfall to me is a, a, a Hugo classic. Like that's, if, if there's must-watch movie, must movies, it's Skyfall. For somebody who has been a fan of the series, who, who owns all of the movies, even the bootleg one that Sean Connery did when he wasn't supposed to, um... Which, which is, a, is that the one? That's the one on the oil rig, right? Uh, oh, and if I'm remembering correctly, I can be completely wrong. Part of the reason why I really like that movie, it's that there's a scene where he's trying to hide some kind of cassette tape that has all of the information about some kind of plan, and there's a girl I think in a yellow bikini, and he slips it like in you know in the back of the bikini, and then gives her a slap of some kind. I could be remembering that incorrectly, but. I'm pretty sure that happened, and that is like a thing, you know, like there was something about that tushy on the screen that I really enjoyed, um, so I think that's what makes that movie memorable, but I digress. Daniel Crane came out, and he was a, he was just a perfect mix. He was a perfect mix. He was a little too serious, uh, not in the brooding Sean Connery way, but in the more like robotic type of Bond. But he, I, I, but he was going to develop. Eventually, he developed into something different. But he was a little bit more stoic than I would like for, uh, James Bond to be. But he was physical. That opening sequence of him running around doing that parkour thing that was amazing. Uh, he looks fucking fantastic in, in, in a suit and in a tuxedo and. At this point, the movies were, I, I, it, they were digital or they were starting to be digital or it, just the crispness, the gorgeousness of the, fo- uh, of the movie was fantastic. Vesper Lind, was, again, physically, not my thing, but I could see why he cared about her and why it broke his heart to, uh, for him to feel that he had, she had betrayed him. And in, in that betrayal, the way that it was conveyed on screen, when juxtaposed with how much he cares for her after she's, uh, you know, after that shooting and they're in, in, the, uh, in the shower and they're holding each other and, and he, you can actually see that this robot is starting to melt and be starting to become human. Like that, uh, you know, and then fast forward sometime and he thinks that he's, she's betrayed him because I guess she did. That, I, like, I could totally understand and I, and I could see that this, was, this, this James Bond for the first time was a human being was somebody who was feeling his way through, who actually was having a character arc. He wasn't the same. Uh, he was he was different in, in the beginning. I mean, sorry, he, he started one way in the beginning of the movie, and by the end, he was a completely different character. And I think that's what I have enjoyed about Daniel over the last uh, four movies, is the fact that every time out, he as a person has developed. 
I don't think that they have they did a, a, as good of a job uh, after Casino Royale, but I guess you're develop you're seeing somebody move over time, and for a a person like me who started watching Daniel in his mid thirties, who he, uh, who I myself have been going through changes in in maturing I think over time to realize that kind of James and I are growing into whoever we we are together and yes of course he still gets to do it you know uh jumping around on trains and and going to exotic locations and yeah he's still kind of uh you know some women could just happen you know um he just happened to fall on his lap way too easy um but so there's there's that part of the personality but he's actually a character that that's evolving through every single movie, and I really happen to like that. Um, and on a side note, uh, you know, I talked about the Bond women being to a certain degree inconsequential, um, but I will say that Money Penny, this the, the new iteration of Money Penny in the movies, I love her. I think she, I I love how she was introduced. I love her humor. I like I like the fact that uh, there's there, there's that attraction that has always been there, and that that. Uh, the cuteness between Bond, but I I don't think that she's just a pushover. Um, really, really enjoyed her opening sequence in uh, in Casino Royale. I I just think that they they've done a really good job with her. Q, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, I I like the original Q because he was kind of just a grumpy old guy, and I think he was awesome. John Cleese again was just a little bit too jokey, and and I get it. I mean that's that's Cleese's thing, and and, and in that capacity he was fantastic. His deadpan is is great, but it didn't really do anything for me. The new guy that they have, I don't know. He hasn't grown into into the part yet. I I don't know that they and I don't know that the last movie, uh, Spectre did did really much for him. I I did enjoy his portrayal in Casino. I mean in uh, what is it that I'm thinking of? Um, See now they're all bleeding into one another. Uh, Skyfall, really like his introduction, but he's he's he is just a little kid. I, I love that part where he just talks to him. It's, it's, uh, Daniel Craig tells him that he's still got spots, which I, I I just think it's funny because you know I first and foremost I like the fact that the British use the word spots instead of pimples because I pimples seems like a gross word to me, whereas spots seems very sophisticated for what it is. So guess what? With my kids now, as they're starting to develop, we call them spots around the house. Why? Because James Bond fucking said so. so side note. But yeah, uh, Q's okay. Q's okay in the new iteration. I guess if I had to choose, I would say that the first actor who portrayed him, I think he was fantastic. Um, Felix, what the hell's going on with that? He was white, then he's black, then he's... Uh, who knows? Like, they can't make up their mind about that character. I never really liked the Pierce Brosnan version of it. Uh, he, he was whatever it comes like a sloppy American caricature. I didn't, I didn't really, uh, think too much of him. I like the new guy, which of course, and I forget the character, the uh, actor's name, uh, but that guy is fantastic. If you haven't watched Westworld and have seen um, the, the the actor who portrays, um, well, I won't give any spoilers away. But the same actor is in Westworld, and he's fantastic, and you should check it out. I think he's awesome. Um, but anyways, Felix, uh, not a major character, uh, but I, I do like the, the gentleman that's portraying him in the, in the, in the movies now. Uh, and then M. 
you know, you can't, Judy Dench just fucking rocked it. I mean, she, like with Pierce, who was starting to get into the more, like, you know, humanizing uh, part of James, M, uh, you know, Judy Dench just was ruthless and cunning and exactly what M needed to be. Like, prior to, prior to Judy Dench, the other M's didn't do anything for me. They were just pe- people that exposed during the movie, and they were off of screen. Judy was an actual character. She was act- doing something. She was, she was uh, consequential to what was going on the screen, not just uh, exposing for exposing uh, uh, sake. So Judy was awesome. And then after that, Ray Fiennes. Come on, I mean, it's as British as you're ever gonna get. Um, there's a line, I think, in um, Skyfall where he says, don't cock it up. And the way that he delivered uh, it was it's just fucking phenomenal, in my, in my, in my opinion. And, and he has that just assholey, uh, British, uh, I don't know, it's a personality. And I love him for it because he, he plays it up so well. So, yeah. Again, M has become a true character, and and again, that's the reason why I enjoyed all you know all the movies, um, you know all of the Daniel Craig movies, even the second one, which I, I admit it wasn't the best, but it was still pretty darn good. But Daniel, but so so there's there it is. So you have on the one side the very immature um, fantasy, masculine fantasy of. Uh, Sean Connery, James Bond, and then you have the weightier, more real-world uh, character developing, maturing of Daniel Craig, and that's and that's where the conflict is. If you were to ever ask me why, which one is your favorite James Bond? Because uh, we're not even going to talk about Lazenby. But and I told you how I feel about Roger and Pierce was I think a good in between, but between Sean and Daniel, like I really vacillate back and forth. I feel that as time goes on and and I think Daniel just signed up to do another movie that he will eventually overtake Sean. Um, but part of me doesn't want to give up on liking uh, or, or or liking Sean Connery's performance more. Um, because part of me feels that if I choose Daniel, then I'm really saying goodbye to the the persona that first. In, so the the the, 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 the character, the, the way that the character was portrayed, that first introduced me to the character. I I don't that that makes no sense. Uh, that I fell in love with a character a certain way, and he shaped who I was at least back then. And to now say that I care more about the more mature version of it, which is grittier and I think in a lot of ways like just more jaded, then I'm saying that I've shed the immature, hyper-masculine part of myself. Does that make any sense? I Yeah, I mean, but it's the truth. Like I... I, I realize, in, uh, you know, as I have more conversations with people, as I become older, as, as, I, as, I, as I'm raising uh, a daughter and as I deal with my wife, that, that 
you know, that overtly masculine, take anything that I want, never apologize. Uh, this is going to sound funny based on what I just said a few weeks ago or a few days ago. You know, I'll do it my way kind of deal. It's not the way to go. You know, no no human being and definitely no man is an island and we all have to play with one another and just being this asshole well, like, well, this is the way I, I do it because I'm Hugo doesn't really work and although I play it up for jokes and then and, and I know in my heart's heart and when I actually have serious conversations with people that know that I that I need to be diplomatic and I, I need to be mindful about other people's feelings that um, that I live in a community of people and although I feel that I may have a, an answer and a good answer right away that there is importance to understanding other people's point of views and sometimes just giving people the latitude to, 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 to speak even if I disagree with what they have to say but just giving latitude to people right and I don't know that I mean James Bond is not sitting in committee meetings you know hearing people out but I think that this James Bond would be more willing to have a longer conversation Daniel Craig's Bond would have um, would be more willing to have a conversation with somebody than a Sean Connery ever would and so that, that that's that's where I'm at. We, and, I, and I mean, it's not a pressing matter, but I do. I think I'm getting to the point where if I am looking at all things, at all of them together, if I were to rank them, number one, I think in my book, by just the slightest of chances, uh, margins, it's going to be Daniel Craig, then Sean Connery, then Pierce. Then Roger and uh, and and then uh, Lazenby. Um, now, there was that quick controversy, which I don't know why it was controversial, uh, about having um, uh, Edris Elba play Bond. You know, it's okay. So on that matter, first you, you then I, I guess you got to talk about one thing before you you say whether Edris Elba could be a good James Bond, could be James Bond. You got you got to consider that the James Bond the name right is a code for somebody that like kind of like Jason Bourne like he could be anybody but that he's been assigned two things he's been assigned well three things license to kill that he has been assigned 007 and that he has been assigned the name James Bond but the the person uh, in in himself is that that it's actually somebody else. Now, if you believe that, if that is part of how, if that is how you interpret the character to be, that the word that the name James Bond is just a code for an individual, then fuck yeah, Edris Elba could be uh, James Bond, and I would love to see a new, you know, a new interpretation. And it's not just because of the color; it's just because a, a, a character with different gravitas would be able to take over the the role and do something with it. And uh, as much as I have enjoyed Daniel, if new uh, agents are coming on, online and they are going to be doing something different and they're going to have different kinds of adventures, then by all means, you know, knock yourself out. And I don't think that's inconsistent. I, I have a feeling that if, you know, uh, like we'll say, well, how could he possibly have all the traits of all the other James Bonds? Well, come on, there's been other actors that have played the, you know, the character and they all share similar things. And, and you have to think, well, if... Uh, MI6 is hiring agents. They're probably gonna. They probably have kind of like a template for who they want as a an agent, and all of these agents are gonna demonstrate very similar personalities. Henceforth, they are all kind of 
womanizing. They're kind of tough around the edges. They 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 because they are have to be in social settings. They're all going to have the quick wit. So no, it, it wouldn't bother me at all uh, if Edris uh, ever became Bond or or any person of color or or you know and such. I don't think it's a requirement that you have to be you know. Uh, one shade in, in in order to play the character. If you believe that it, it, it that the name is a code, right? But if you don't, then then that's a little bit different, in my opinion, because there then there's there's canon here, and you know, okay, sure, the face of ch- has changed over time, but they're all let's say reboots or reinterpretations of the character, and they're just following the same stories of the character. And I think that the uh, the water was muddied when in Skyfall they do the callbacks to uh, to James Bond's history because they're basically saying, "Yeah, this this character was the same person all along. Everybody that played him was the same person all along." And I think the waters were muddied there. So, because as far as I know, uh, Casino Royale was not a reboot. It was a continuation, right? So if it was, um, then then no, then then I do think it's problematic with an Edris Elvis type of uh, personality playing, or an Edris Elba actor playing playing him, because yeah, uh, James Bond wouldn't be black, right? But I, my bet is, or the way that I would like to see the character is that it, James Bond is a code, and it, with that being said, that I would love to see other people play it. Fuck if I. If I could be James Bond, fucking A, I would be James Bond. Sign me up, you know, and to the people at MGM and to the Broccoli family, if you need a suave Latino James Bond with a little bit of pudge, but I could work on that, sign me up. And I guarantee you my wife will be on board. Well, okay, I shouldn't speak for her, but I'm pretty sure that she would say, yeah, my husband could be James Bond. Um... I might have to work on the womanizing part, uh, but I, I think we can make it work. Writers are writers, and they can, you know, they can work a way around it. Making maybe I'm all of a sudden James Bond who's turned celibate and therefore can't. Uh, it's possible. Um, so that's that's my that's my thoughts on, on the whole James Bond thing. Uh, agree, disagree? Let me know. But just know that if you come at me with Roger Moore, in my mind, I'm just saying fuck off. Actually, that's not true. I, I, I would hear you out. Lazenby, I would tell you, fuck off. Real quick, because it is April 26th, and I just heard about this a second ago, Bill Cosby uh, was just... That, see, did you guys hear the chickens? God, they're annoying. Hold on for a second. Hey, simmer down. All right. Sorry about that. We'll deal with that in a, in a minute. Um... Yeah, so Bill Cosby was just, uh, I guess, the, the jury came back and they said that he was, in fact, responsible for a rape of a woman years ago. Um, I'm heartbroken for the woman. Um, you know, that's the, this is the fucked up part of uh, the time that we're living in right now. Um, we are living in a time where a lot of people that I would consider heroes... Um, they are falling by the wayside because of actions that they did. I'm not going to apologize for anybody. You do shitty things uh, and you get caught, you know, you deserve what happens to you. Um, you know, but lately, you, you got to understand, back during the 90s, Bill Cosby was 
uh, you know, again, an, another man that shaped who I wanted to be. Like, the way that he interacted with the kids, the life lessons that he gave, his approach to life, uh, or at least in the show, uh, just the whole family. I mean, I love the, the Huxtables, all of them, uh, even Olivia. Uh, and so it sucks to, like, know that this guy who kind of stood for righteousness and who was a, you know, I always loved the episodes when they went back to the college and they talked about their years there and how wonderful the experiences were back in college and that whole concept of education being such a big part of the family because I also followed um, the, the, the follow-up show. What was it called? Uh, uh, not Small World. Different World. Different World. I followed all, you know, all of that. And, and I love the concept as somebody who at that point was thinking about going to college about how important education was for any community, but especially the, any community of color who just wants to better themselves. And, and the fact that college could be, is, is a terrific answer. Uh, and and I, here I had examples of kids that basically I had grown up with because I grew up with all the Huxtable kids over time and they were starting to get to college. And I'm like, yeah, I, that's something that I would really want to do. I you know, come to think of it, that college really became an attractive thing for me after watching the Huxtables. Like that's something that I, that I knew that was going to be part of my life. I wanted to, I wanted to enjoy that, uh, because I wanted to kind of have the adventures and have the conversations that the Huxtables were having on campus. And but you know, but the patriarch of the show was such. A, he was just a, he was so great with giving life lessons. He wasn't like syrupy like it was on uh, all of the uh, TGIF shows, right? It wasn't like Uncle Jesse at the very end with the music playing where he was going to summarize everything that happened and then give a couple of quick, quirky uh, quips and then tell you what you've learned and then everybody would hug and there would be clapping and and, and the show was over. Um. And it happened with all of them, Family Matters, uh, Step by Step, all of those shows. They had a formula. And after a while of seeing it over and over and over again, and enjoying it, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed them all. But, you know, you could just tell what was going to happen and you can telegraph it. And the Huxtables weren't like that. I mean, they had a little bit of that, but they wasn't always like that. Um, The life lessons were delivered I think much more uh, intelligently, and that was because of uh, how Bill Cosby would go about doing things. Perfect example, I think, was when oh, what is the name of the the, the middle daughter, um, Thea? Thea, I think she is dating like an older guy. I think he's like the janitor at the school. Which you know, which I think Cosby made made the point um, in the show that there was absolutely nothing wrong with his profession. But the but the the whole point of it is they're sitting at the dinner table, and you can tell that there's a lot of anxiety about you know the, the parents meeting the boyfriend for the first time, and and whatnot. And uh, Bill starts talking about asking the guy like, "Hey, what's what's your favorite uh, meal? Like, what is it that you really enjoy?" And, and the guy says something to the effect of steak or some kind of like meat. And 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 Bill go it starts describing the process of making it and the sizzling sounds off the grill and and all of the different spices that that you know he starts pouring and he's just he starts making this meal sound just completely and totally wonderful right 
And then he says, okay, and now I take the lid of a garbage can and I put the meat on top of it and serve it to you. What do you think? And, and, and it was his way of explaining how, it wasn't Thea, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of Thea. It wasn't explaining how the daughter had introduced this guy and who he, he claimed, she claimed that he was important to her, but she had gone about it the wrong way to introduce him to the family. And that whole concept of, you know, describing something and then flipping it on its head and to demonstrate that there is a way that you do things right, like that is is in my head now. Like I, I do think about that when I'm going to introduce something to anybody, when I'm going to propose something to somebody, the fact that the way that you present it has to be right if you want to, if, if you want to be successful. And that's what I mean about intelligence when delivering the message or, believing, or, or delivering the, the theme, um, uh, you know, that, that you want to portray is that you got to do it smart. And, and I think Cosby, the Cosby show did that much better than a lot of the other shows at the time. And, and that's part of the reason why it was so successful. And so to have a guy that was key to a lot of the life lessons that now you take so dear for him to turn out to have been such a despicable person and he has been convicted of this so as far as I'm concerned um, as far as I'm concerned that's that's problematic for me because a hero's gone one of my heroes is gone um, I will never see him the same way and I'll probably be able to watch the Cosby show and, and, and still be okay with the life lessons but I can't in good conscience, uh, consider that man a hero. And there's been a lot of others lately that are, that it's about the same, you know, folks like, or, or guys like Kevin Spacey. I mean, one of my favorite actors, and we'll talk more about this later on, but one of my favorite actors and, and just how he, he behaved. Uh, Louis C.K., um, which, you know, with all of these things, there, there's, there's levels, right, of infraction. And Louis C.K. is in the doghouse right now, and I get it, I get it. But, you know, in in relative terms, uh, you know, I don't know that, that he deserved the flack, but hey, he himself has said, I, I, I need to do some thinking. I'm going to be quiet right now so that I can understand myself a little better. And, and I say that we give him the time. He's not the monster that Cosby is now, it's now been proven to be. Uh and and there's there's various others we all know who they are i don't i don't want to go into it but you know for somebody who had these male heroes over time uh who who used these these personalities to form and shape the persona that i have now to know to realize to come to realize that a lot of these guys were just bad actors that's tough that's really hard i can't i still can't wrap my mind around that sometimes um, but again, we were talking a little bit ago about developing and maturing as a person. And, and I guess part of that is coming to understand that sometimes your heroes do disappoint you. They do break your heart. Right. And, you know, maybe that's why it's better to look at actors on the screen portraying roles because the roles will always be there. I mean, it, it, the roles are what they are. They 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 won't disappoint you because they are what they are. It's the individuals that play them that will break your heart. Um, and, and who knows? Maybe that's that's wrong of me, or that I give people that much weight. But um, 
you know, as I'm as I'm raising children, I'm always mindful of the people that they see on the screen and who their heroes are going to be. And I and I have conversations with my kids about the importance of differentiating the person on the screen with who the person is in real life, and that not to get lost in the glow of celebrity, um, because sometimes those actors will disappoint you. Um, but anyways, that's uh, my thought for today. Um, you know, uh, it will check you guys out here soon. Uh, talk to you soon. Bye.